morning we see the commands. The commands here in Scripture that children are to obey. And fathers are to train and instruct. So let's listen to God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6. I'll just read verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I invite you to bow your head with me as we come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we rejoice in the pictures of grace that we have already seen here in the sacrament. The reminder that it's through your grace that our sins are washed away. And so, Lord, we, we rejoice in the work of your gospel in this family, in the generations of, of gospel proclamation that we, we see witnessed before us. And Lord, even on this morning as we, as we consider our role as parents, we pray for our children who are on this weekend's youth retreat. As they, this morning, gather in worship with students and, and leaders to hear the preaching of your word this morning, to gather with our fellow churches on our regional retreat, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen and encourage them in the hope of the gospel. Lord, that you would do saving work even this morning and Father, we ask for that work to happen in our midst as well. That you would show us the power of your gospel, that you would transform our hearts. So Father in heaven, we come praying in the name of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Amen. There's that awkwardly satisfying moment when a child throws a tantrum in public and you think to yourself, I'm glad that's not my kid. problem is, is you stand in judgment over that parent's complete lack of authority. Your smug self-satisfaction can be quickly removed when your child joins in the tantrum and you become that parent. Or, or worse, when the Spirit of God reminds you of your own condition before Him. Tantrum, the disobedience, that's you before God. But, but it's worse because while that toddler might not know better, you absolutely should. See, even as we consider the, the commands given to us here, we, we recognize that we need families. We need discipline. We need gospel training. We need God's promise. And so these verses are, in some sense, painfully short. We wish there were more here. We wish the instruction manual was larger. When you walk home with that first child, you think, there must be more that I should know before they entrust the responsibility of this little life to me. And so while these verses are short, I, I want us to see the, the richness of God's grace here. So we'll look at the command given to children and then consider the command given to parents. First, notice the, the command there in verse 1. You can look there with me. The command is direct. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
children obey. That's the, the, a, a strong word, meaning absolute, complete, total obedience. And so in one sense, I planned this sermon series very poorly. Because I'm preaching this today when, when none of my children will hear it. My older two are on the youth retreat. My youngest was in junior church. And so when I can stand before them and say, Thus saith the Lord, children, obey your parents, my kids are missing it. But maybe that was a little bit of God's mercy and grace so that I would be focused less on the application to them and more on God's application to me. And in his plan this morning, we have the privilege of, of opening this section of Scripture while witnessing a baptism, a reminder to us of God's grace. Because notice the, the fact that Paul even speaks to children. I mean, kids, this means you are responsible members of the church. When you show up at church, we're talking to you. God actually has expectations that he places on you. He thinks you have responsibilities. He knows you can do this. You can accomplish this. I mean, that, in, in one sense, the command to, to fathers, that, or the command that children should obey, that, that wouldn't be surprising. But the fact that, that Paul is, is then arguing with the kids, explaining it to the kids, that's a little bit shocking culturally. That children deserve to be heard, that they, they, they are responsible moral agents before God. And, and it, it's, it's helpful for us here, while, while we mostly consider the, the responsibilities of young children, children that still live in their parents' homes, that still sleep in beds and eat food provided by parents. The, 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 the word here is actually a, a, the broadest word you could use for children. It's even the word that, a, that an aged father could use of his adult son. And so, while much of our application today will think of younger children, it's a reminder to us that this is a command given to each of us. Each one of us. And so, whatever stage of life, you still have responsibility to family. Because think of what the command is saying here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord, as you submit to Christ, submit to your parents. I mean, this is the, the, ex, the outworking of what we saw back in chapter 5. Look at chapter 5, verse 21. The command given to everyone, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what does that submission look like? We saw a couple of weeks ago. The, the command given to wives. The then respective command given to husbands to love their wives. And now we see what does it look like children to submit to the authority of Christ? It means to obey your parents. And again, remember that all of these commands, I, I, I've, I've tried to remind you of this repeatedly, all of these commands flow out of verse 18 of chapter 5. Because we don't see it, see it immediately in, a, in our translations, and even structurally the way the, the passages are divided for us thematically. But, but remember, all of these commands, children obey, fathers do not exasperate, fathers bring them up, all of these are the application of that command back in chapter 5. 5 verse 18 to be filled with God's spirit what does it mean to be filled with God's spirit it means to give worship to God to give thanks to God it means to submit to the authorities God has placed in our lives and Paul makes the argument there look, look at the end of verse 1 then children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right I mean we instinctively know that 
we need families. We, we feel the importance of it. And we see culturally at, at times in history when, when the family has, has broken apart, the sadness and the sorrow that comes from the loss of parental authority. We see it even, you probably as teachers, see it in your classrooms. You struggle with the behavior of your children, but you know that this is more than the problem of children. This is a problem of adults. We feel the, the breakdown culturally of the, the promises that God has given, of God's plan of, of grace being proclaimed from generation to generation as families are distorted. See, we know the importance of God's families, and so Paul says we know this is right. And then he gives us the command. Look at verse 2. He quotes one of the, the Ten Commandments, but, but immediately, perhaps, you and I think, okay, here we go. This is, yep, this is what I thought, thought preachers do. They just, they just hammer you with, this is what you have to, this is what your responsibility is. Because maybe for you, you view religion, you view Christianity as, as a list of rules. And you could, could point back to, to the rules that God has given. I mean, even sometimes list them out in, in numerical order. We, we put numbers in front of them to help us remember them. This is the fifth one that we're looking at today of the ten commandments that God has given. And so maybe you, you're tempted to reduce Christianity to this list of rules where you think that, that God is just trying to, to narrow my life. God is just trying to keep me from fun. God is just trying to restrict my freedoms. But God's rules, they aren't arbitrary. They aren't constrictive. They, they are freeing because they're for our good. I mean, look, look with me. When, when Paul gives this command, he, he can't even finish quoting the command before he interrupts us to remind us of, of what good news this is. Look, look again at verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, all of the commandments are set within the promise of God that he's the rescuing God, but this is the first commandment that, that has a promise that if you obey it, there are blessings that will come to you. In general, those who obey the, the, the parental authority God has placed in their lives protect themselves from dangers. And so, it's the first commandment that comes with a promise. Look at verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, we all know we can point to the, the, the examples, the exceptions to this of the loving, obedient child who, who doesn't experience long life. But, but this isn't, a, this isn't a, a promise in that sense. It's the broader promise where we need wisdom to, to apply it. But we see it. Those that place themselves under the right, caring, loving authorities put themselves in the, in, in, in the path of protection. They receive the safeguarding, the blessing of God. And we know that in general, the disobedient child endangers himself, spiritually, if not physically. And, and remember again with me, that if we, if we, if we look back at, at the Ten Commandments when they're given, if we think of these, of these commandments here, that yes, there are this list of expectations, but remember how this begins in Exodus 20, how the chapter there begins. This, this is what we read in Exodus 20, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. It's only after we have the promise of God, the reminder of God's grace that we have the commands of God, 
It's only then that you get the first commandment, that you shall have no other gods before me, and then the enumeration of the, the commandments. The preface is actually important for us to remember, the, those words which come before it, where God says, I am the Lord your God. I am the covenant God who has made promises to you. I am the one who rescued you out of your slavery. I am the God who saves. See, it's important for us to always, to always keep this, this in order. To know that what God has done for us, we need to hear that first before we respond with what we will do for God. Or, or, or think of it in grammatical terms. The indicative comes before the imperative. Okay. That which is true, the declaration, the, the indicative statement, God has saved, comes before the command. Now, sometimes in, 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 in explanation, you might hear one before the other, but logically, we need to keep this order in the right order. First, we need to be told what God has done. We need to understand that before we respond with what we will do. Because if you get this, if you get this order mixed up, do you see the danger? When you hear a command like, children, obey your parents, well then, you're that kid who's actually pretty obedient. Maybe you go around with, with cards that you hand out that say, Kevin, Kevin, boy from heaven. And you begin to think of yourself as actually pretty good. Now, my parents aren't here in this service, so they, they can't contradict that, although they could easily in, uh, in telling you, you stories. But see, if we, if, we get the order, if we get the order mixed up, if we look at the commandments, my obedience as the foundation, then I begin to think, look how good I am at keeping these commands of God. I am rescued because, well, I'm rescuable. I deserve God's love. And do you see how that, that doesn't just slightly distort the gospel? That completely destroys the grace. No, first we need that reminder that God says, I am the Lord your God. I am the covenant-keeping God. I rescued you. Now, here is how you respond to God's love. And so that command to us, children, obey your parents, is rooted in the promises of God and his covenant love shown to us children obey. And parents were called to, to instruct and to train. Now, it probably won't surprise any of you that, that I'm the type of guy who cries at commercials. Now, actually, last year, a, a, a commercial I, I saw online, a door of hope, the, the Crisis Pregnancy Center, a Christian ministry here in our community that we support, they, they posted this commercial on their on their uh, social media. And I wouldn't have seen it otherwise because it was played in Australia, and I don't watch much Australian television. But it was a commercial in which, in which adults were asked this question. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? And it's funny to watch these, these couples come in and answer that question as they sort of mock each other's answers. Like, you're going to pick a pop star? I'll pick a distinguished statesman. You're going to pick, a, you, you know, you're going to pick an actor or actress? Well, I'll pick this this great social hero from ages past. And then the commercial continues showing the parents watching their kids come in to answer this same question. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? And you see the reaction of the parents when the, the kids ask things like, well, do I have to pick somebody famous? Because who do each of the children pick? If I could have dinner with anyone, I want to have dinner with mom and dad. You now, it's a company trying to sell you dinner, 
so they want you around your table, but, but, it, but, it, but it taps into something much deeper, doesn't it? That longing each one of us has for a caring relationship. To have someone's attention, to know that we are loved. And, and remember, the, the way the, the book of Ephesians is, is given to us, all of these commands, these imperatives, flow out of the indicatives we've already seen in the first half of the book. And so the command for us to, to obey our fathers, the command for fathers to, to, to bring their children up in the training of the Lord it is all rooted in what we've already seen in this letter. I mean, turn back with me to, to chapter 1. Consider how this, this, this letter begins. We have the introductory statement of, of verse 1, but look at verse 2 of chapter 1, Ephesians 1, verse 2. Paul says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we might just blow by that because to call God Father seems so familiar to us. It's in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. But consider how, how shocking, how, how wonderfully beautiful that is that you and I can call God our Father. And then Paul continues, look at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. You see what Paul is saying? The gospel is the story of God's family. You were rescued from your sin. You were brought out of your bondage to your own sin. You are now a son of God because his own son died for you. And so you see these commands given to us in chapter 6 then. Yes, they're applicable to our relationships as parents to children, but, but more than that. They point to, eat, to us that, that each one of us has this need for a loving relationship with our Father. And so in families where you see the sorrow, the sadness, the brokenness of family, that longing that wells up within you, you have God himself to whom you can go and call him my Father. He is the one who loves you. And so, so the love of fathers in chapter 6 is meant to be a reflection of God the Father's love for us. And so there are immediate commands for us, but, but the bigger command for each one of us today, for each one of us, when we hear the commands given to fathers, is the command that you and I are meant to turn from our sin and return to God, to, to acknowledge our sinfulness and to ask for God's forgiveness, to come to Him as the Father who loves us. And so then, seeing the love of our Father, we hear this command. Look at verse 4, back in our chapter, chapter 6. Ephesians 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. See, culturally, it, 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 it's, it's not surprising that obedience, absolute submission is demanded of children. Because that was expected in the ancient world. The father had absolute authority over his household. But then for, for the command to be given to the father that he actually has to care about his children, he actually has to respect his children, this, this would be shocking. The command given, fathers rule over your children, for they are 
they have to obey you. That would be easy. But what does Paul say? It's more challenging. First, he gives the negative. The negative command, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke your children to anger. You see, in the ways in which we can easily do this as parents, when we put our children in unfair positions with changing expectations, with arbitrary rules, and so they're always left unsure, uncertain, or perhaps we withhold affection in order to change behavior, or worse, have you ever seen the response in yourself to the anger of a child? And your response is not a response of love. Your response matches theirs. And that little child who from the, the soles of his shoes can, can, can well up and scream no in your face, you respond by thinking, oh, if we're going to scream, I can scream louder. If we're going to get angry, I can get angrier. But fathers, do not exasperate your children. See, our children are right to be upset when our parental actions don't match the spiritual truths we claim. Children have the right to be upset when we respond wrongly. And so part of the pattern for them is to show them that my relationship with my children as their father begins with my relationship with my Heavenly Father. That my ability to, to deal with their anger means I have to first deal with my own anger and sin. It means I'm going to prioritize the gospel in the lives of my kids so that they hear the gospel proclaimed by me. So the negative, do not exasperate your children, but, but Paul continues with a positive command. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The nurture and admonition of the Lord, the, the, these commands which show us both the, the sort of negative connotation of corrective behavior. When children disobey, they need to be corrected, but also the, the positive connotation of the love and care. I mean, even the language used here is, is reflective of the language we saw back in the last chapter. Look back at chapter 5, verse 29 where we see the ministry of Jesus Christ caring for the church, where we read that Jesus feeds and cares for the church, that the husband is to feed and care for, the, for his wife just as Christ does the church. That nourishment, that care, is the care of Jesus for the church. That's the care the Father is to bring to his children. See, the gospel needs to be brought into their lives. The, there are the dangers of being a parent who is too laissez-faire, who lets the kids make up whatever rules they want. That's not loving to a child who needs the reflection of God's gracious authority in his or her life. But there are others who are, who are domineering, who, who control every aspect. And again, that's the, the, to break the command to exasperate your children. You and I need to apply the gospel to our kids as we apply it to ourselves. And so let them see the gospel at work in your own hearts. You are bringing them to the Lord. Look, look at how, how the command to fathers ends. Fathers are to bring up their children in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Again, just as we saw the command to children to obey in the Lord, fathers are to, to do this in the context of the gospel, in the context of submitting myself 
to the authority of Jesus. He is the Lord. I am one who is called to obey the Lord. And so I teach my children to obey so that they will know how to obey the Lord. I show my children what it means to acknowledge my sin so that they see a pattern of coming before the Lord and finding His grace and mercy. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not exasperate them. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. My seminary professor shares the, the story of his boys when they were young. They, they were, had been repeatedly told throughout the day, Michael and Seth, to, to stop bickering. And mom, Tanya, is at home with them when she can hear in the next room that it's, it's switched from words to fists. And they're throwing each other around this room as, as little boys. And so she walks in and she says, get in the car. Now they're starting to panic because that was not the intervention they were expecting. And they begin to drive out the driveway and they turn toward the church where their dad is studying. And now they're beginning to think, oh, we're in trouble. Like, we're going to dad. Justice will be served. But then they drive right past the church. Well, now the boys are completely confused and, and beginning to worry. Maybe she's just looking for a place to dispose of the bodies. <laughs> but she uses it as an opportunity to teach them. She says, I, I, I want you to learn the difference today between justice and mercy and grace. Well, they're attentive because they don't know what's happening. She says, justice would be the two of you get the punishment that you deserve. You were repeatedly warned and corrected, and you continued to disobey. You deserve punishment. Mercy would be if we withhold that punishment and you don't suffer the consequences of your own actions. She says, but the gospel, it's about grace. And I want you to learn about grace, that you, you not only don't receive the punishment, not only do you receive mercy, but you receive the blessings of being my sons. And so today, you get grace. Now, I was there with Michael, now a man in his 30s. This is still a pivotal moment because mom pulled into the parking lot of Chuck E. Cheese. And she said, it's time to get out of the car. We're going to go have pizza, and you're going to play games because you need to learn about God's grace. Now, anyone that can use Chuck E. Cheese as an illustration of grace is a fantastic communicator. And you can see why this kind of story would have shaped these young men's lives. We also know you can't go to Chuck E. Cheese every day. Thankfully, you can't go to Chuck E. Cheese every day. And Jeff and Holly, I don't know what the cultural equivalent of Chuck E. Cheese is in East Africa. I'm hoping there's not a Chuck E. Cheese, actually. So you can't go every day. But sometimes we need to hear the stories of grace, of undeserved favor poured out on us. Because, brothers and sisters, that is our story. You are a son of God through the blessings of God given to you through Jesus Christ. And so, so children, obey your parents in the Lord. The Lord who gave himself for you, the Lord who proved what obedience looks like in going to the cross. Fathers, show the love of your father 
your heavenly Father to your children. Do not exasperate them. Bring them up in the training and the hope of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given himself for us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your gospel of grace, that even as your commands are pressed into our lives, we are reminded of your extravagant blessings, your wonderful love shown to us in Jesus Christ, our our King, our Rescuer, our Lord. So, Father, let us submit ourselves to his authority. Let us trust in him and follow after him. Lord, we thank you for the, the blessings of your grace. We thank you for the the picture of mercy that we see, that we've witnessed in the the waters of baptism, that we've heard in the reading and proclamation of your word. Lord, press this gospel into our lives. Let us turn. Those who have not believed, trusted in Christ, let them turn from sin. And for each of us who follows after Christ, let us live by the power of your gospel. Father in heaven, we come giving you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.